Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. Uh, this is Blix. This is Sally. And this is Mel. And this is Mark. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of a voyage of imagination, traveling to unknown, undiscovered lands, losing a few crew along the way, but finally, Cresting upon that distant shore that is episode 400! Yay! <laughs> Thank you, everyone, who has been with us all this time. Uh, this is the TriTac Games Podcast. Uh, we This week, we are celebrating our 400th episode. Now, if you go to our website, of course, it says we've had many more than that, but that's because we've added feeds from other podcasts who've either, you know, uh, talked about things we thought were worth were worthy, listen to that, uh, that would be interesting to you, our listeners, or, you know, we added extra material. But this is our 400th official episode, and thank you so much for those of you who've been with us the entire route. And of those, I'm talking about John, and I'm talking about uh, talking to Trav. Yes, and and of course myself, because we are we are uh, we have have other hosts here and other guests who've been on the show before, and a few special guests that have never been on the show before. And we're going to uh, get to them in just a second. But we just wanted to thank everybody who has been part of this podcast over so many years, because we started back in October twentieth. 2008. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, actually, is that not, no, 2009. Not 2009. 2009. Yeah, 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 yeah. October 20th, 2009. Episode one The Adventure Begins. And we are now, here it is, you know, wow. uh, uh, the podcast can vote. Yes. And here, here it is, October, you know, of 2017. And so, you know, there it is. It's, uh, we, uh, it's, uh, it's t- uh, I'm amazed at how long it's lasted. Um, I think we've done some really excellent work uh, in this podcast, and we hope that you, our listeners, have really benefited from the show because that's why we did it, uh, to, base- to try to bring you um, all the goodness that is TriTac in easily to digest you know, uh, pieces so that you could add whatever we're doing right to your adventures and hopefully your campaigns of TriTag Games. So, but and speaking of TriTag Games, uh, I'm sure that all of 
you listeners know this, but just in case, uh, we did lose our founder, uh, Richard Taholka, back in April. And uh, it's the uh, TriTech has gone through some bumps since then, but it is now resurfaced with a brand new uh, uh, hand at the helm, who's actually well known uh, because it is Melody Natcher, who uh, is the uh, surviving spouse of uh, Richard Taholka. Welcome, uh, Melody. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here tonight. And we're really glad to have you because we're looking to you to basically tell us how, you know, TriTac, what is TriTac going to be these days? Because whenever something like this happens, there's a lot of changes. And we are sure we want to know all the, the goodness that's coming out of these changes um, and all the things that you've done to basically make sure that the people who are the, the, uh, the fans of TriTac are still going to be able to remain fans of TriTac. So you're, consider, you're the CEO of TriTac Talents, right? TriTac Talents LLC. And basically, it didn't seem like something that Richard would have wanted to tack li- the word limited or the word LLC onto the end of TriTac Games. I didn't feel like he wanted me to fiddle with that. So we can still now copyright things in the name of TriTech Games, but just as a fully owned subsidiary of TriTech Talents. Ah. It's just a, it's just a bit of legalese. It's a bit of legalese, so we didn't have to change the name of TriTech Games. And because we're trying to maintain Richard's legacy at every step of the way in every instance. Well, that's 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 very laudable, and I, I appreciate that because as somebody who's been involved with TriTac since 1983 or, or even 1982, um, it's been a big part of my life. So yeah, it still is. I still run two campaigns of TriTac games um, every every week or so. So um, now, you know, so you're um, since you're the head, you know, the the the, the main uh, person at TriTac, what exactly is your role going to be there? Well, right now I've been doing a lot of learning how to do the legal side of things because I've been um, taking care of the web presence for years, for over a decade now. Um, and I've been taking over as some of the general manager and some of the other things as, as Richard became more ill, but uh, learning contracts now, which is real fun. That's sarcastic. Mm. (laughs) Um, My main role, though, that's not what I want to do. I want to get what we already have out to a wider audience and then expand on it while remaining faithful to what we, to Richard's vision. Okay. So, um, uh, So it sounds like you need a lot of help. So what people have, have you already signed on to do that sort of thing? And, um, and what can, uh, and what are they doing for you? Well, Sally Vilkman is my, uh, girl Friday. Uh, I have a full-time job and she takes care of a lot of the things that you just have to do during the day. Um, she's my sounding board. 
Uh, she's our editor. Um, I've had found someone to help with the intellectual property with the contracts. Uh, and I've been con I've contacted several or been contacted by several authors who want to write in the TriTech universe or to Hulkaverse is the way I prefer to refer to it. Um, I've got two that are in first draft, two books, a new Bureau 13 and a new Fringeworthy. You said there were three people interested in writing in the Tohokaverse, but they're, they're, they want to write fiction, right? Right. And two of them have re reached first draft stage. One of them, I, they already, I took it to edit and go back over it. And the, when I gave it back, he went and started rewriting it, which means good, because that means he's a good writer. My role in TriTech is going to be to keep everybody moving together in the same direction. Um, we're going to have new product coming out, and we're going to be revising the old product. We have to, because in order to have it go on RPG now, uh, the quality has to come up so that for it to be print-on-demandable. And people have been requesting that forever. We're going to try to make sure there's new value added, but the main thing is it's going to be printable, though. Uh, we've got uh, Fringeworthy D. 20 and Bureau 13 D20 are both already up on RPG now. We're going to be adding a new product every couple of weeks. You're that, according, you suggested that. Yes, I did. And I think it's quite, an, and I obviously thought it was a good idea because that's the way we're running now. Instead of popping five things out at once, which was the original plan. Um, and I'm brain picking you. Oh, John is working on the Savage Worlds yep. uh, version of Fringeworthy. FTL 2448 really needs some love. Ooh. Yeah. Let me get my Barry White voice. It needs a lot of love. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. It's a, that, yeah. That was the hot butter John voice, everybody. <laughs> Uh, so we know that D20 Modern, uh, uh, Fringeworthy, and D20 Modern uh, uh, Bureau 13 is on um, uh, RPG now. Now. Okay. So uh, in the next six months, uh, any idea what products are going to be co uh, coming out uh, that our listeners can be looking forward to? I know that uh, Sally is working on some new modules. Um and I think that John's working on a new module. And they're planning on being released in the next six months? Yes. 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 Uh, I would like to be able to do something creative again because I wrote for Richard. I, I did graphics for Richard. Uh, but I have, I am now stuck being the person who maintains the, uh, who is. Uh, You're the business manager. I'm the business manager, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it really does get in the way. Uh, I told Richard for years that he needed a partner so that, 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 to handle the uh, business part of TriTax so that he could do the creative things that he always wanted to do. 
So you're going to have to uh, bring on some people that you trust to basically work with you to take some of that load off of you. Basically, there are things that people have asked for over the years when I was just maintaining the website. And one of them, they would like to have the TriTech system of, in a core book by itself so that they can see all the pieces of, in one place. Because Richard loves scattering how to create a character through the, through the rest of his books. Um, now, is, is this the original core rules or is this a revised core rules? I think we would need to revise them. Not that there's anything wrong with them. It's just that people aren't used to that level of detail anymore. I was talking to, oh, and the, uh, Thunderhead and Russ Herschler are uh, talking about doing some of this revision of, of taking, say, the very long core books that we, books we have now and splitting them out into the equivalent of a player's guide so you could have a small, inexpensive book just for players and then more information as a DM guide. And I joke that we would should have could have the uh, huge book of TriTech tables too. Yeah. As a side, that's where I've been designing the Savage Worlds book. It can be easily broken into into a player's guide, and then one big book for the GM because he would still need the player's information. So yeah, it's been designed with that with that feature in mind ahead of time. So it won't be that hard with 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 Savage Worlds to do to do the two books. Oh yes. And, we, and we're going to need to re-release everything in the easy system. Yes, I, I I think that's a good idea because there's a lot of people out there that don't want to use somebody else's system, and the whole point of the easy system was to be system agnostic as much as possible. Right, it's basically based basically based on uh, something resembling the the ladder from Fudge. We need another name for it, I suppose. But you go from um, abysmal to superhuman with all the steps in between. And when you stat up a character, you can just set them up on that table. And then you could actually have a free, so it won't infringe on anybody's copyrights. Um, it's, it's more descriptive than it is quantitative. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and we already have um, uh, Hardwire Hinterland and uh, Weird Zone were already released under that system, right? And so was uh, the two incursion uh, books, the, the incursion, incursion two- books, and and the Easy Space. Right, Easy Space. How about Eradicator and? Um, yes, everything for the last few years. So cloisters and yeah. So you already have a lot of stuff that can be released in that format, and there's a lot there for people who want to write in that format to go and use for comparison. Yes. Yeah, because I'm assuming you don't have any writer's guidelines at this point yet, right? That's one of the things that now that I've gotten the uh, most of, we're still working on contracts. After that, we've got the legal legalities underway. And then we can start working on the writer's guidelines. Um, well, 
Well, as a professional technical writer, I can definitely help out with that. Uh, I've done more more than more than my share of writing on guidelines for for writers and working with guidelines. So yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think also probably we probably should come up with some templates for make you know, at least templates of the easy systems so people can just just plop it in and not worry about writing it from scratch every time. I think that that is a wonderful idea, John. <laughs> yep. Anything that I don't have to add to my plate. So it sounds like a thing I'll be doing for my because uh, I'm doing a little short little module and it's going to be uh, it's. I, I was using my uh, using a half-brained uh, version of Easy System, and now I realize I need to go look at something like Heretic or something like that, and pluck it out, and then at, put make create the module myself. And then I can just hand it off to Mel or Sally, and then the, we have that module to hand out to potential writers. Okay, so it sounds like from what you said that um, the um, that this the stuff that's going to be coming out a year from now or or more will be you know a, a separated out um, uh, original TriTech rules, um, and um, uh, was there anything else? I'm sorry that, that that we were working on. You said they were working some, on some some modules because I know Sally is working on some modules and I'm working on a module right now. Okay, so that's a year from now. Okay, and we don't want to go too much further than that because I mean you know there's still a lot of things that are in flux. So I just wanted just to give everybody an idea of what was actually going on so that they you know because when we start when you start sending out. Uh, releases saying this is on its way or this is going to be out in, the, in in a couple of months or this has just been released, then you know they, they have some kind of an expectation that it's going to actually happen. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to be like the old tech. When we say something's coming out, it really is because we're not going to announce it until we know it's coming out. Good, good. Be, because it, it, it did take 30 years for, for Hardwired Hinterland to come out. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but it did come out. We will be using the Soviet version, which we will not announce a uh, uh, successful flight of cosmonauts until they land on the ground. <laughs> we are talking about reorganizing hardwired hinterlands to make it a little more user friendly. That yeah, was I've, John's idea, and it's actually a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah so got, we look through the older stuff in order to get it up uh, to get it up mm -hmm. to date for RPG now. There mm -hmm. may be some reorganization and that sort of thing. But mm -hmm. one thing that I haven't stressed is that I'm a gamer myself. I've gamed, and I'm a bit of game master. I understand what gaming is, and I understand what it means, how much of your soul you pour into your games. So I am being careful with things. I'm trying to make it better for the players with well, it's still being something that Richard would recognize and approve of. Well, we're all for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Sally, is there anything uh, that you'd like to, uh, anything more that you, you talk about your role with TriTech? I just do it, whatever she needs done because I have, I, I don't work. I have arthritis in my knees, uh -huh. so I am home all day. And I have time to look things up and write things and sort through things and edit things. It's kind of like if she needs something done and she doesn't have the time to do it, she sends me a note. I start looking it up. It's just 
And I'm hopefully that eventually there won't be as much that I have to do like that, that I can start just working on projects that we have ideas for. But for right now, I'm perfectly content to just keep it, keep everything moving in a forward direction. And you did this for Richard before me. Oh, yeah, I did. I did do research for Richard before. So is there a project that you really want to be involved in? Brass and steam. Okay. I want to finish it. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I did the cover for it. Um, We've got notes. We've got some... um, We've got some of some on papers, uh, some in PageMaker, and we're trying to find enough to be able to actually finish it. I just need to know what he was, what the order and everything he wanted to plan, and then I will get help from others, and we will figure out exactly how to finish it. Because he had a lot done, but it was all disorganized. So I want to get it done. It's just something that he kept telling me that he could put on the back burner for other things, but he really wanted it done. So it's a project that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, Trav, didn't you work on that also? I think Rich talked to me about certain things, and he put in the steampunk character that I had created, Professor Hieronymus Miles. Other than that, I wanted to work on it, but just he and I never got around to doing more. And he added Isenbar Kingdom Brunel that mm-hmm. I suggested. And sing it. And the inventor of the Singer sewing machine. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh uh, Bruce, we do have two other guests here, Mark, uh, Mark Kenny and uh, Peter. Did you do you guys have any questions for Mel or Sally? Uh, no, you know, it, this all sounds, I'm like, I'm stunned at everything that's going on and, and all the, the, uh, forward momentum after, after all these years of, you know, a little bit here and there, but like, uh, hard starts and stuff. And, and this, this is really, uh, this is impressive. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing the, 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 uh, Savage Worlds versions of, uh, French worthy. That's fantastic news. And then hearing that Brass and Steam is on its way. And, um, I, I, I don't know, are we going to. Um, I guess, you know, we'll be moving on to other stuff as well, eventually, like, uh, um, Hardwired Hinterland and stuff. So that's, that's all good news. And for my part, I'm just glad to hear everything, uh, every, everything, everything coming through and, uh, and, and, uh, glad to see things moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Mark was one of my, pl- uh, first play testers of, of the Savage Worlds version. So he's kind of familiar with it. Yeah. Hey, and I, I have one more thing. Um, I, you mentioned something about fiction. Is there uh, what, what's the uh, what's the I, I know you said there was three coming, but what is the uh, the long term plan? Is are you going to keep bringing in more and more people to do more fiction for things? Mm, I'm not sure about bringing it in. It's just that I had people approach me. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I mean. Is there going to be more and more stories as as, as time yes. grows? Is it going to keep growing in the yes. different worlds? Okay. Yes. It kind of depends on, you know, those people showing up and saying, I want to do that. Because it's not, the, you know, writing fiction is not the same thing as writing games. So, right. you know, they, they've got to basically come and say, hey, I really want to do this. And we've got to give them the uh, source material they need in order to do it effectively. Will there be a separate imprint for fiction? 
you know, if we publish it directly, are we doing, is it going to be under TriTech Games, TriTech Talents, or will there be TriTech Worlds or something like that? TriTech Stories. TriTech Tales. Ooh, I like that. If I'm going, if I'm going to label it, I'd rather call it TriTech Legends. Ooh, that's nice too, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that's what we're trying to do. If you're writing a story, you're trying to create a legend that you can tell to other people, you know, around the campfire, you know, because it's all good to be within the game worlds so that you can imagine the, the, the characters in the games actually sitting around and telling those stories. Another thing is that you can be a little bit more loose with uh, uh, the, the canon because you've got a multi-dimensional universe. So if some, I mean, it's obvious that uh, the Earth Prime of Idit is not ours because of the Chileans. Indeed. So you can always have someone, uh, I notice that most of the people who want to write Fringe where they want to write it much more m militarized than Richard wanted. Yeah, I, I myself have always been against that. Uh, I, I like it non-militarized. Uh, I, I do have a little short fiction I call the, the, dark, the Dark Fringe, which is very militarized. <laughs> a, a good example here is, is that the stories, the novels of Nick Pallotta, you know, that was not the Bureau 13 that was in the game. Uh, it was certainly inspired by it, but if you try to play that, they would, you would find that there were a lot of differences between what was written in the books and what he did. And there was nothing wrong with that. You know, that's one reason why they came up with the Nick Pallotta special edition, because Nick wanted to be people to be able to play uh, his version of Bureau 13, so Richard allowed him to produce a, a version of it. Yeah, and actually having played in, one, in a short campaign with Nick Pallotta, um... Let's see, Nick Pallotta, James Ernest, Kaya uh, Folio, and oh, I'm sorry, I forgot her, and, and, Ernest, and James Ernest's wife. Um, the version that was published was not the version he ran either. So yeah, he had much, much in common with Richard. The game, the game Richards would run was not the game he actually wrote, it's the game that was in his head. <laughs> You know, and that's pretty much the way Nick Ply ran his games too. He, you know, in fact, he was even more. Well, that, uh, I think that should be this, and you know, he just on the fly would just decide how hard it was to do something. You know, so exactly. Okay, so let's um, let's jump into the wayback machine for a second here, for and just talk about you know, because this is our 400th episode about TriTac Games podcast. So we, we, we've already said that it started in uh, October 20th, uh, 2009. So, well, that's a lie. It actually started earlier than that, but that's when it got, came out. That's when it was first released, of course. Yes, we actually recorded for about two or three months before that. Uh, and I, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, it, the idea did originate with me. Uh, after listening to a lot of other podcasts out there, uh, Fear the Boot. Was, was there a game, one called All Games Considered? All Games Considered. Actually, I learned about that a little later, but yes. Uh, but speaking of that, uh, the, one, of the, the, the very, one of the very first ones that we um, uh, that interviewed us about the TriTac Games podcast and about TriTac Games was All Games Considered with Mark Kenny. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> 
we re- I always appreciated that because uh, it was great to get the the name out and the and the and the name of the podcast out. Uh, we originally it was uh, uh, it it was myself and Trav. Um, no, 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 no. I joined in season two. That's right. You, John Blix. That's right. Peter Bryant. Yes. Who went by the name of Blix, his his artist moniker back then. Yes. No. Who's now the uh, Who's now the uh, czar of a large um, podcasting empire? From the sounds of it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, just just take a second to talk about what you're doing now. Oh, who me? Okay, so. So yeah, I got. Um, I, I started doing this show called called The Mythwits, and uh, we had um, Jason Elliott on, who was uh, who, who's running TSR at the moment, the new TSR. And I say at the moment, he's he's running it. So um, he was on our show, and we were talking about TSR and, and all the stuff they were doing. And uh, afterwards, he he contacted me. Now I knew him. I knew him previously, but uh, he contacted me on the side and he said, "Hey, man, I really like the production value of what you do. I like what I, the Mythwits is amazing. The way you guys do what you do." Uh, and he said that he would like me to, uh, to to head up a podcast network for TSR. Um, and after some consideration, I decided to go ahead and do it. So um, we have uh, five podcasts on that network, and uh, oh, wow. three three of which I'm heavily involved in. Uh, two of which have been on hold for a little while because I'm involved in three podcasts. <laughs> so uh, I had to had to uh, cut back and retool, and we're going to relaunch the the other two, uh, but but they're going to be uh, not so in, not so dependent on my input because I just I can only spread so thin. You know, you start spreading thin, and then you're 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 like a like a shallow pool, you know, not very deep, just everywhere. Uh, and I'd rather be a few places good than everywhere bad. Um, so yeah, so I'm doing that. So it's, it's uh, a game school, uh, a cube of death, which is a, a game show. Uh, and then uh, Mythwits, which I'm doing now, which is getting ready to go through a big change of its own. Um, oh. and then I've been involved with this AetherCon, which John has been getting involved with, but I don't yeah. think I can keep that up for long because again, uh, shallow pool. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a lot of work. Podcasting is a ton of work. Yeah. I'm moder- I hear that. I'm running two games in AetherCon, and I'm moderating two panels, one of which only has one member on. Huh. Okay. Yeah. The other two are, oh, it's about this topic about, you know, uh, you know all the young kids playing playing role-playing games on the, on, on the interwebs. Mm. <laughs> so, like, talking about Roll20 and such? Yeah, yeah. And the other one is about making miniatures. I'm going, okay. Wait a minute, did you say making miniatures, like miniature figures? Yeah. Huh. I only got one person only one person with that. I think they need some more because uh, I'm looking at two Shapeway figures I've made. Oh. You know, you know, from Shapeways. And, and and they're only they're three years apart, and the quality in those three years has changed. The maybe, first I one, should, maybe I should get in on that one. John, I uh, <laughs> I work for a company that has one of the best 3D printing labs on the East Coast. Yeah, well, they're using bed printing right now for for all, for a lot of their their stuff. So you know, people talk. You know, but the thing is, I was just on on um. So we're talking other people's stuff here. Sorry, but you yeah. know, we tangent. No, it's it's okay. I asked you to do this. Okay, I I want because Peter's no longer with us, and I just want people to know what happened to Peter. Yeah, yeah what uh, happened? 
And I, I was on drive through RPG uh, just this just this afternoon, and uh, one of the things you can buy now for your desktop printing purpose privileges are three D models. Right. You can you can buy uh, st- uh, still files, STL files, yep. and and I think they work with most uh, most of the common commercially available printers. That's the sta- that's the industry standard. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it's out there, and yeah, it's. Um, which is strange because when I was in the army, one of the guys I was serving with, um, can't remember his name, um, but he was like, I know this is a tangent, but he, but this falls in the, we're talking about managers. That's how he made extra money. He would, he would custom make gold or silver figures for people. Nice. And he would take his payment, the scrap. Oh, <laughs> wow. So the, yeah. So, he, but he would always give an honest estimate. He said he probably got no, not much more than a couple of grams here and a couple of grams there, because he was usually honest with his estimate of how much how much silver or gold it would take. But still, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, you know. I mean, we we started a process at work that we've been trying out for this new project. I'm working on a. I'm actually they're paying me to develop a game for the military, um, and it's it's we've printed some 3D printing 3D miniatures, but instead of printing the miniatures. Uh, the normal way, what we've done is we've printed molds and we use those molds to inject, uh, to do injection molding. And we're getting some really fantastic miniatures out of it. And they're cheap, oh, wow. like like very, very cheap process. Yeah, injection molding is a very cheap process. Oh, yeah. They can look really good. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, normally it's kind of expensive to get the mold because they're generally milled out of like aluminum or something. Uh, in this case, what we did is we actually printed the 3D molds. So the printing of 3D molds, like, Two three hundred dollars at best. Uh, having one milled out is like twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Right. So Ooh. it's Ooh. so much cheaper. Yeah, yeah, it's way cheaper. Was it? Uh, Clark told me he was doing something like that too. But you yeah. don't want to actually three D print figures because it takes what fifteen minutes to two hours to do one. Uh, at if least you make a mold mm-hmm. with twenty of them in it, then it's worthwhile. Oh yeah, oh. you could just pour, pour, pour. Well, if you want quality miniatures, like the, I have a premium, according to their website, it takes them actually about 45 minutes to print those. Yeah, it, like I said, it depends. Depends on yeah. the miniature. How? F- anyway, like we're, getting, we're getting way tangent. Yeah. Okay, so uh, now some of the other hosts we've had who are no longer with us um, is um, uh, a certain member of the Rowe family. Amber Rowe, yes, she is now down in Florida, I believe, as a nursing assistant. Yay. Oh, good for her. Yes. She moved down there, I believe, last year. And uh, and, uh, we now have a, uh, uh, we we had a host who's now a cab driver. Jay, well, he always was was a cab driver. Jay Haley. He and I joined episode 24, Mission Failure. That was our first episode together mm-hmm. halfway through season two, I believe. Yeah. I think, I, I, and Jay can correct me later on if he hears this. I also think he may be driving for Uber too, but I'm not sure. But, you know, okay. everyone drives for Uber. My mayor drives for Uber. <laughs> <laughs> right. Jay, our, our resident Kegak. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. And uh, and also we had Paul Nunn's uh, for a, a while until I'm never quite sure why he left. Uh, he kept talking about not having any internet. 
Yeah, he lost his job and he's been moving around. He's still active on the for on the Facebook pages, so so and he will occasionally post weird things in my account. <laughs> yes, and of course, uh, you know, we we did have uh, every once in a while we did have Richard on as a as a pod as a host. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, it was a little bit t- uh, toward the end uh, end of his day. So uh, he w- he was mostly a listener, and and he would drop a few bon mots every once in a while. And one time he fell asleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, there's a couple times I've done that. <laughs> there's a reason I haven't taken my cold medicine today today because I'm I'm kind of getting over a cold. If I had taken a cold medicine, I'd be zonking out about about now. <laughs> and and the last person who was part of our crew and still is, but she's currently on hiatus, is Josie Mulcahy. Yes, Professor. Oh, folks, folks, folks! I have some good news for you on that. Tell Josie us. Does have, she does have internet back. She was on my show last night. Travcast on Dementia Radio. Uh, yeah, Josie currently lives in Oak Harbor, Ohio, which is on the north part of Ohio, along Lake Erie. Mm. Uh, she moved in with her cousin Jeff Hughes, who's also a member of my show as director. And yeah, um, Josie, it they she's just been off the show due to lack of internet, but she got it back like yesterday about two hours before taping of my show so she was on it was good to have her back uh hopefully we will have her on at the next taping two weeks from tonight i want to move on to since we have been doing the podcast for so long um i wanted to ask and we have some of our previous podcasters and other folks on the show tonight um i wanted to ask you peter uh what tritac games product was the biggest surprise for you and why uh, I want to say that that Weird Zone was um, when I when I saw Weird Zone, I I didn't I thought I thought it was kind of weird, you know, well, weird Weird Zone. No, I thought it was kind of it was goofy, maybe I don't know. And then we term. and then we started, but we started talking about it, uh, and, and you sent me the PDF, and I, you know, I was going through it, and uh, we did the show on it, and we were talking about it, and I realized, oh my god, this is fantastic. I was really really surprised and uh, i i haven't had a chance to run it yet but i really want to um it, it just it's amazing it's it's uh, the concept is it, like for a campaign i could see you know not maybe not a super long campaign you know like not, not one of those ones that runs years but i could see getting a year out of it and having a really good time with it oh yeah i ran which, it for which when i first heard of it i wouldn't have thought that i wouldn't have thought i'd even like it yeah, I mean, I ran it for the Sunny Skypers for a while, and uh, I've run it a couple of times at cons. Usually at cons, I usually, usually plop down the map. Here it is. Let's make some characters. I usually use Fate Accelerated for that. And we go. And we have fun. And it's always been surprising, especially that one time they appeared, and there was half a mammoth. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> yeah, what's oh, worse oh, than no. finding a mammoth on your lawn? Half a mammoth on your lawn. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> Finding out what's inside a mammoth on your lawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gain to see his last meal on your lawn. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that and, and, and Bruce, I, I will say one more thing. Um, I was I was actually pleasantly surprised with Hard, Hardwired Hinterland as well. That comes in a, a close second. I Another one I thought was like, eh, and then I actually ran an adventure for it at a convention, and we had a great time, and it was, it was 
it's actually that's another really cool one that I wouldn't have thought would have been cool. Just from the 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 you know the elevator pitch to me, I was kind of like, that's eh, not my kind of neat game. But uh, actually, I think it might be. All right. Um, how about you, um, <laughs> Mel? Well, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, it's weird zone. I had the same experience because you can meet anything there. Okay. So, okay. Well, uh, how about you, Mark? Uh, m- most of my experience comes from the mainline games, or, or, or several of of, uh, of of those. I'm somewhat familiar with the with the hardwired hinterland, so that would be a, a partial answer. But the other one would probably be incursion. On uh, my gateway game, yes. Yeah. Is it, 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 it was a, a a different take on the the science fiction gaming that I had seen. Basically, it's the 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 a, a exactly flat aliens for one thing was 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 one thing that that kind of stood out at me there. <laughs> I I forget what they're called off off the top of my head and the book I is somewhere in the other side of the thing. Then there was the sticks. Yeah, there was a lot of 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 anything is is possible there. In you're talking about incursion, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah. All it's right. one game where I say you do not do this first adventure because I've I've learned this after doing this myself more than once. Do not do the opening adventure where they take over the ship because they're much more. They can they can save the cat. They can stop the commander from killing himself and blowing up the the library the the, the navigation cubes. So you have to do it take place afterwards. Yes. Because. <laughs> Yeah, it has to be done in media res. Yeah. Okay. So, John, how about you? What uh, over? You know what? What game uh, that came out during the podcast run did 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 really surprise you? Uh, it does fall into uh, the one that really got me was uh, Hardware Hinterland. That's when I actually had a lot of fun with. Weird Zone is like second is 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 in second in that one because I also ran that one a couple of times. Um, the Hardware Hinterland, I ran I ran that with the the Sunday Skypers for a while. Um, I still have one episode left to do. Unfortunately, that's been like now six years or four years something like that. Unfortunately, it was the episode where Todd, one of our, our co co gamers, had the crappiest internet connection in the world and there's this whole sections there where where there's where we're just going todd todd <laughs> and i'm half i'm still I, I i got halfway into it and it was trying to piece it together so that it would sound and i'm looking and it just drove me crazy trying to piece together snippets of conversation from todd and then trying to make it work with everyone else talking at the same time i'm just thinking about going cut cut and then this happened you know, just do a narration. We had bad connection. Then put in the good bits. Then cut, cut. Then this happened because it's not working. Yeah, it sounds an awful lot like when they did the rest, the initial restoration of Metropolis. They had whole scenes that they had to describe because they didn't have the film anymore. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Just title cards and maybe a, a maybe a, a frame of a, one image they had and just put their still framed. Yeah. Oh, kind of like the old episodes of Doctor Who where they've had to either put in pictures and text scrolling on the bottom. Interesting enough, they had audio for several of them. So you know what they did? They animated them. Yeah, I've seen that they have those in theater runs, yes. 
Yeah, so that was a good idea, great idea. But uh, if you were talking about what really what another game that surprised me, even though I was one of the playtesters for it, is when the two books of FTL twenty four forty eight came out. I didn't know Richard was doing that, and then all of a sudden it shows at my doorstep one day. I open the books up. I put them side by side, and I go, "Oh my god!" Yeah, the cover. Yep. Oh yeah, and, and all that stuff in there, and I see a lot of my work in there. I wrote, I wrote sections in that book myself. Sections I've now divorced myself from, like the um, trading section, which do not use the trading section; it's broken. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it, it's a it, it, that one sort of sort of surprised me on how much depth Richard put into that and uh, yeah that's something I would love to bring back and uh, the, it, would, it, had, it would need some revisions you know unfortunately time time has marched on well you you and Melody can work on that yeah alright yep, yep, yep. so uh, Trav uh, w- uh, what what game did you this surprised you okay I'm gonna have to it, it's kind of a three of them, but for different reasons. One, Incursion. That's my gateway game. My first wife bought me the book at a Detroit Con 25 plus years ago, and I was hooked. And that's why I'm here today. The second one, and it, it's me tooting my horn, Bureau 13 OGL, for obvious reasons. When I finally saw the finished product, as, as I said, there were some fields that Every because I kind of I headed the project. Rich asked me to do that, and I'm, you know, just a couple years ago I finally got over being something like, "Holy crap!" He asked a fanboy to do this, and finally seeing everything there on the PDF, the stuff I had, all the original stuff, the combined timeline, which was folks that wasn't easy to do, and my flavor text for Team Candlestick, and I was just stunned that this was here, and I got to have a hand in it. And the third one, surprisingly, is Portals 3. I'm reading through and I'm going, okay, the Chicago Sun Tribune food critic, he's now a fringe explorer. Wait, he has a daughter named Shelly. And he looks at me and goes, yeah, I based it on you. I'm like, you son of a... <laughs> <laughs> so yes, folks, I am Jack Schmidt from Portals 3. And just I'm reading this, I'm going, oh no, he nailed exactly how my daughter would react to all this. <laughs> and he met her maybe twice at cons Trav so if people know him do they do they know Jack Schmidt oh I don't don't, (laughs) sorry (sighs) oh way to kill a call Blix Um, (laughs) we miss you Peter (laughs) hey I had one job (laughs) one job no but I would have to say it's split between those three for vastly different reasons okay all right. Well, for me, uh, uh, of course, I, I started the podcast because I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted to figure out how to make Fringeworthy work because I saw some really big problems in in the game itself uh, because I just didn't understand how to wrap my head around it. And I would over the length the the the, the four hundred episodes, we've been able to really define what the game is and what makes it fun and you know how to really get the most out of it. So, you know, that that was a big surprise for me. But of the stuff that came out during the podcast, uh, it has to be hardwired hinterland. Uh, because 
first of all, I've been like, you know, this, this has been dangling in front of me for 30 years. And I was expecting this to be Richard's, you know, great opus that he's been working on. And and when I got it and I looked at it, I just said, oh, this is like, you know, cheesy uh uh, cereal, you know, uh, an old um, plain cereal where they're like running from place to place and they're doing stuff that's silly. And I didn't want to take it seriously. Um, I really was, you know, saying, okay, you know, I, I got to give this a fair shake. And and it won me over. I mean, it's I I, I look the more I looked at it, the more interesting and and. Uh, pervasively creative ideas that were in it. There were things that you really had to wrap your head around before you could even start playing the game in the way that it really deserved to be played. For example, we, you know, we made fun of it originally, but the animals that could talk just like in Oz. And we're like, yeah, yeah, there are animals with an A. We got a cow with a capital C, and we've got a, you know, a chimpanzee, which was funny because they're the only ones who don't talk. Um, and but they were all intelligent, and and it just seemed like a, you know, a kind of a taking a game and turning it into a cartoon when it wasn't supposed to be a cartoon. And in other words, trivializing it, but it didn't. In fact, is we started looking at it and saying, look, these people have societies. And we started digging into it and saying, why, you know, if there's 90% of the cats are intelligent, why haven't they taken over? And we worked out why. And the same with the dogs and other things. And so we just kept finding more and more layers of this game. And we really, you know, stopped stopped exploring it. You know, we haven't done much with it for a while, but there's still a lot more there that deserves to be examined. And that's what and that was the game that really surprised me because I was really expecting that to just be another one of those things that Richard kicked off in order to say, I did it, I got it done, and now it's going to sit there on his table at a convention. But that's not true. That just to- it, is, it is an excellent game. It deserves to be played and experienced by all the people out there that truly love adventure games, that truly love adventure and uh, complex characters and uh, and and really dealing with in a sense alien cultures because it's not, you know it initially it just looks like a, you know uh, every different island has like a different town on it but it's not every different one has a different culture and those cultures are very interesting and they're and going from one to another can really you know shake up your expectations so uh, you know, we we did a lot on it. I set up a whole campaign arc for it, and I just you know, and I ended up running that for my players in my home campaign, and they thought it was the greatest thing since sliced cheese. And it was only with with great reluctance that I finally say, yeah, but I really want to do this now. So you guys are gonna ha- we're gonna have to table this campaign for a while. But they were ready for more. And if you haven't ever played this game, our our, our general listeners please go out and get a copy of it and try it out because it is truly an amazing game. Yeah. Oh, and I think we got one, one more person. Well, Sally, Sally, we don't know how much gaming you've done. So tell us. Oh, I've, I am <laughs> relatively new. I've only played uh tri-tech games for eight years, well, but 
I've Length tried, of our podcast. <laughs> but he gave, pretty much. But he gave me a pile of them the first time I met him at a convention because I, I turned in a bunch of work for him. And he said, here, since you're not willing to take money, take this. And he just gave me a bunch of games. So I went through them all and was playing them with the gaming group I play with and with some other friends. So I liked most of them. But when he came out with Murder Hoof, I thought he was a little going off the wall. Because who wants to play with ponies? Until I read it. I read it and we and and got a a bunch of people together and we played through it. And it's like, okay, these are not my little pony ponies that my daughters collected when they were kids. Um, it, it became a surprise to me. I really found it to be more to it than I expected. Oh, yeah. oh no, Sally, when I've explained Murder Hoof to... I work in an auto parts warehouse. Needless to say, I've got a lot of... And not using it as derogatory term. I work with a lot of mundanes. And there are the few younger ones who are a bit geeky. I'm kind of like the alpha geek at my work. So I explain Murder Hoof and I go, wait, My Little Pony? I'm like, oh no. Oh no, no. Anything but. And when I get into the depth of the game, they're like, oh, that's good. Because I can tell a lot of them are not fans, so they're going to go in with that attitude, gun them all down. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, that that's the one where I just get the raised eyebrow and the ooh, shiny look from them. When I cross-posted th- that episode uh, we did on it, on over, uh, well, actually um, listed over in the um, in the uh, one of the pony groups, it spiked. I mean, it was like one of the biggest like episodes episodes. I, I, I my postings in Google Plus I had ever seen in my life. It's like, oh wow, you know. It's like, okay. And then again, I look at. Cause I, I have to admit, I am a brony, and I have seen all the various brony uh, brony adaptations. Uh, you know, uh, Fallout Equestria, War, War Pony. <laughs> And a bunch of it, it falls right in line with about a quarter of the fandom out there for My Little Pony, and it really, I, except that we, we, I don't think we want to take a chance of getting sued by a certain corporation. Because uh, <laughs> uh, don't they own? Don't they also own another game out there too? The 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 uh, some game with with wizards and dragons, something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They actually have, yeah. They actually have published a My Little Pony storytelling game. I picked up a copy just to see what it's like, and going, it's not bad. It's actually, it's actually, uh, it's 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 a not a bad system they got. So yeah, they actually have a role playing system for My Little Pony now, official. So yay. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, I could easily see taking and going. Hmm, elements of harmony. How about elements of disharmony? <laughs> Oh, but that, you know, but yeah. John, I, yeah. yeah. John, you, you realize if Pixie were here and she were to hear that they have a My Little Pony role play, she'll be just, no, no, no. <laughs> there are three supplements for it and they have figures. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, Mark, you should get a copy to review it, you know. <laughs> I was thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> This is interesting because I had started uh, doing the revision with the editing and everything, and 
we decided to put it off because of it wasn't going to be something that that many people were going to be interested in. Oh no, my dear. Yeah, there's people out there who'd love it. If, if and, and we have a BronyCon here, and if, and 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 if it, I, I'm half tempted to go to and go to the track and say, okay, murder hoof, and see how many people sign up for that sucker. Because <laughs> and, and you know what, you know, people, people who want who want to play the pony, <laughs> they won't want to oh, yeah. play the people. They'll want to play. The, I remember talking to Richard about that. No, 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 no. You only can play the people. No, no. They'll want to play the freaking ponies <laughs> and kill. We have a, a group of, of all the ponies who uh, uh, are trying to get away from the regime and join the humans. Then there you go. Yeah, we'll have to. Work, I'll have to work on that scenario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anywho, heck, I can even use the official role playing system for it. <laughs> Oh, anyway. <laughs> All right. So uh, we did this at our 300th episode. Now we're at our 400. I'm going to ask it again, which is what was your favorite TriTac Games podcast episode? In all the 400 we've done, oh, what's your favorite? I know mine. I can go first. Go ahead. Yeah, I I have always loved... I mean, really loved the series we did on disasters. I thought that brought something that I have never seen in any role-playing game book supplement anywhere. Uh, we each, there was four of us at the time, and we each brought a uh, one or two, I, can't, I think it was two each, disasters and how to handle them in-game. And not just talking about them just in general, but also giving ideas for rules and and how to construct the an adventure around that and and what you could do with it and when i say disasters i mean things like hurricanes floods fires uh, uh volcanoes uh earthquakes um and it was i really think it was almost like a supplement book because we each had time uh we, we planned this out way ahead of time and we each had plenty of time to research it um, and we even came up with rules, like like just off the cuff rules of well, this is how much damage I think something like this would do, and you know, and these are the kind of rolls you would make to get through this. Um, and it it was mainly something that you could run almost an entire adventure off of, and you could throw some stuff like you know maybe problem solving or or uh, maybe a few com maybe a combat here or there, like for example, somebody robbing a bank, like like the one movie I think that came out like 20 years ago where they were robbing a bank during a flood. Um, but there was, you know, there's plenty to do and handle the, uh, the disaster, uh, from a role playing experience. So I thought, I thought that was really cool. That would be my favorite by far. And that was episodes 93 through one Oh nine, actually 97. So 93, 94, 95, we must have skipped 96 and 97. So, yeah. And then we did another episode of 109, Adventure. Uh, so, it was a five part series, even though we mentioned in, in uh, episode 83, our three part discussion. Yeah. <laughs> it went for five parts. It's like Douglas Adams, it's a five part trilogy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think I did volcanoes and earthquakes in that one. Yeah, I, I think I did her. I know I did hurricanes because I remember researching mm-hmm. hurricanes and finding out about uh, storm fronts and the eye and like you know not being near the shore and how the water pulls out, just all that stuff about hurricanes. Well, it was consi- pretty cool. I did floods. Yeah. yeah. 
I think well, I did fire. Yeah, you did. You did fire a trap. while back. We also had disease too, so we had some sort of a disease disaster. Plague. Yeah, be- I think that was its own episode because we we tied yeah. that into zombies. It wasn't a zombie episode. Uh, mm. It was it was plague, but then we mentioned zombies as being a potential plague, uh, but we didn't focus on that because it, you know we were trying not to make it a show about zombies. And of course, there is a TriTech product, which we'll plug right now, Rogue 417, which takes place Ah, in in a plague. (sighs) It actually can be run as a role play, as a a campaign setting, or it can be run as a fringe-worthy setting. Or if you're really, really mean and cruel, Bureau 13 setting. (laughs) Yes, Bureau 13 is on that world as well, yes. Yeah. Dude, it it could be a weird zone one. You know, you're... you're, um, you pop in and your zero, uh, yeah, your zero plot lands on one of those. Oh, worse oh. yet, your zero. You know what it means though? It means you just send a zero plot out with the with with the with Rogue Four Seventeen on it. It could. Well, maybe, maybe. No, no, no. That's what happens. You send it out. It goes out and starts hopping around. Oh, no, hops to the up to the previous world. I forget which world it hops to. It hops to one of the worlds. It would go to yeah. the next world that you take the plague to. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 always bad. <laughs> Trap. I would have to say, and I mean, this is going way back. The adding fringe worthy two episodes, and we started that originally. Like Bruce, you know, he had D and D, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, what are some of the other early ones? We've done Star Trek. We've done Star Trek, Star Wars. What else? Cyberpunk, uh, 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 World of Darkness. When we got Josie in, now Josie and I are both autistic, and Josie has her little savant areas that she has. And so I decided when I got her into the podcast, play to her strengths. That is where we have gotten adding Fringeworthy to Pokemon, Legend of Zelda. Um, What other ones has she done? Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy, we brought in my other co-host, Crash, Dirty Red, Crash, on that one. Crash Bandicoot. Crash yep. And I, I did the research. I looked on the site. Those mm-hmm. recent ones with Josie's ideas are some of our biggest hit episodes. It were like 80, 90 downloads each for those episodes. And Josie kind of was, I mean, remember, you remember Bruce and I, she was ready to just say, I'm done. And then I showed her that. And just when she was still up here in Michigan, the grin on Josie's face when she realized mm-hmm. not only was she contributing, but the difference that she made was just it her face just lit up. And and, and I would have to say that and I've and I've added Robotech and I've done superheroes. So it's like just that entire adding fringe worthy to oh, yeah. whatever intellectual property. That has to be my favorite group of episodes because it we just go off on them. So, Trav, should and we do a teaser? Te- should we do a teaser for our ne- for the next one we're going to do? Yeah, really both, quick. Sure. Both me and Mo- Josie've been working on it. Fringeworthy in Minecraft. <laughs> oh yeah, she's been really trying to pick my brain on that. I'm like, <laughs> sweetie, I don't play that game. That's all you and John. 
I've gotten schooled by this young lady on a lot of different fandoms. And her mother's like the queen of fandoms, so we know where she gets it from. But yeah, I would have to say that the adding Fringeworthy 2 series is probably my favorite. And the thing is, Minecraft is one of the few thing, few games out there where you could actually do it in Minecraft. Oh, there's another one she wants to do. Skylanders, <laughs> which means we had to come up with some ideas on that. That's right. That's all part of the uh, uh, the uh, Sega um, Sega-verse. Yeah, where you're adding all these <laughs> fandoms together on a new type of like combo world. That's on something other- that... I'm gonna have to hammer out later on. And the other, and the other one, we we both me and Josie touched on too when we we're talking about Minecraft. Of course, you know, there's there's Minecraft, and then there's the other world that has also other dimensions and places, sort of Lego dimensions. Okay, hmm. well, she, I think she she's not one to me yet. Okay, wow, that oh, that's gonna be some work. Ooh. Oh God, yes. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, one of the, with Minecraft, there is, for those of you familiar, there's Minecraft Story Mode, which d- does include traveling to other dimensions. They have their own version of Fringe really on that series. Oh. <laughs> so, Mark, uh, I don't. how much of the podcast have you listened to? I've, I've, I've been kind of in, in and, and out on it, but I do have some favorites that come to mind, though. Uh, a particular one, mainly because it came in handy when I was running... A, a, a fairly lengthy fringeworthy campaign was the episode the episode series on the on the Coptics. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm running the Coptics right now in my campaign too. Yeah, I the they they're, they're sort of the like in the the late the later half of the campaign that I, I was I was running dealt with the Coptics extensively. So it was basically a combination of what was in the the uh, portals book and. What you all covered with a little bit of of of, of, of input of that one history of uh, of uh, Dan Carlin's hardcore history that dealt with the, the series he was doing that was dealing with the the end of the Roman Republic because you have some kind of involvement there and that gave me some input in there too but it was definitely a lot of you the, the that podcast series definitely fleshed out the Coptics for me. A lot more in a, a lot better way than the 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 several pages in uh, in the uh, portals book as as good as, as that was it, the the uh, the podcast series that you all did definitely fleshed them out a, a lot a, a, a lot more for me and and that was and a really labor of love that one Mark yeah. that was a labor of love I enjoyed those immensely because Bruce kind of just let me run with it because I was running Coptics at the time too. In my yeah. various campaigns at cons and here at home, yeah, and I gave Richard the, the point of divergence for the for the Coptics, because you know, he was going. Well, I mean, he was she was working on everything. I just want to know where, oh. where did it come from. I said, "Oh, it's really simple. Instead of becoming dictator of Rome, Julius Caesar and Cleopatra become emperor. They annexed <laughs> Egypt and Rome together. Yeah. Oh no, I I had done some research for Rich too on that." Yeah. And he went to his buddy down in, I think, South Bend, Indiana, who was a professor of that era of history. Mm-hmm. And Rich said, yeah, um, Chris told me, tell your buddy Travi nailed it. And I was like, yes. Yeah. So, oh, no, Coptics, Mark, we had a lot of fun doing them, just extrapolating and doing the research mm-hmm. historically. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. And just, wow. 
Definitely, definitely, and and then and also the, the fact that it's sort of the the like lesser known ad, ad, ad adversary of the of the of the the fringe worthy setting, you know that's that that's just even better there. Well, yeah. because we had the fringe pirates, then the Melor, and then Rich brought in the Coptics, and they they piqued my interest vastly. I was like, ooh, wait, and they it was this and this and this. And for me, it got deeper and deeper as I went down that yeah. rabbit hole. So yeah, and I think yeah. we brought up at least one episode. Uh, another nemesis you have to you have to worry about, old Commonwealth fringeworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're the ones who actually come along and they just they go to a, they go to the pylon, they go bloop, bloop, and they do things, and they basically have, if not admin mode, they have super user mode access yeah. to the fringe paths. <laughs> yeah, if my game had gone on further than it. It it did. I had at 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 one point during the the Coptic phase of it teased the old Commonwealth by having them run in, run into a a like group of them. Yeah. Just oh. just 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 briefly, but yeah, uh, there would have been a, a a tease for later on had the the uh, the gaming group for that matter last that long. Yeah, I think mm. my standard response was, if you have any key geck and, and, and yeah, with your with you, they're taken out and shot. Yeah. There were not, uh, fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mel, um, I don't know how much of the podcast you listened to either, so did you have a favorite? My favorite podcast was the one when you announced that Portals 4 was finally out. Okay, I get that. It was because uh, you you basically were wor- you were t- uh, cheeked to jowl with Richard getting that one out. Well, the thing is, is I announced it on the website that it was coming out. Then Nick Collada died, and Richard went into a tailspin and couldn't finish it. So I spent months of fielding requests for their pre-orders. And why isn't it out yet? So that was such a relief. Okay. Okay. This is also why we're not going to be announcing. uh, This is coming out on X date because if it's not going to come out on X date, we're not going to say that. Right. Well, that's why I said is that, you know, until you have the manuscript finished, you know, and you're just doing the formatting changes and getting the rest of the art in, that's, you don't announce stuff. Yeah. That's that's not that's a good idea not to do that. Uh, how about you, Sally? Your first Christmas special, your first Christmas one. The first Christmas one you did was really good. Oh! In fact, I really love. I I listened to it multiple times. We had a lot of fun with those Christmas episodes, and every time we tried to do them differently, and that got very challenging. Toward you know. Yeah. Wait a minute. Oh, that's was, right. Was the first one with Christmas on the French Pass? Was it that one, or was it Santa Claus and Fringeworthy? Which one was that? I think it was Santa Claus and Fringeworthy. Okay. Where yeah. Santa Claus is real? Yeah. 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 And of course, we know he, he is real in, in the Bureau of 13 world, so there were many places where Santa Claus is real. Well, cool. All right. Well, I guess that brings us to you, John. Yeah. And uh, my first question to you, Bruce, is so when we, what are we doing for the next Christmas one? Anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean, white man? (laughs) (laughs) 
But of, the, of, of all the shows, I think the ones I like was our series we did where we explored and fleshed out all the different fringe cultures. I mean, oh, that, the one page, we flesh out the one page race pages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yes. and, and of those, the hardest one was the, the Mixie. Because we're dealing with a not with with a definitely non-human, non-mammalian, non. You know, basically, we're dealing with we're dealing with bugs, more or less. Arach- arachnids, or actually, uh, no, bodied, bodied spider. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're bugs, John. It's okay, they're bugs. Okay, they're not insects. They're bugs. Okay. <laughs> well, they're part of the Ar- Ar- arthropod family. So, yeah. anyway, yeah, if ten, you say so. No, they are. They are part arthropods. Can't say so. Say, can't say say so when it's a real thing. Hey, you know, <laughs> my my favorite part of that one that was when we had Jay Haley on the show because I remember that's where the key gag came to life, where mm-hmm. he, <laughs> and that was oh. you know what I I think the key gag was a hard one to do too because, yeah. uh, they there's so little known about them, but what is known about them is 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 kind of tragic, you know. I mean, and horrible. Yeah. It, well, it's kind of horrible, and it's also kind of tragic because a lot of them um, were kind of, you know, they're they're kind of like victims of their race. Yeah, that was the point. I that was the main point I brought out in that episode was that you know it wasn't the entire race of Kegax who did what they did. It was a it was a, the the ruling body or a, a a very or a special interest group in them that did that, and everybody else paid the consequences for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah, usually yeah. when I talk about Fringeworthy and get into the reason why everything went to hell in a handbasket on the fringe paths, I explain the key gag and what they did and how things went. And people, that's when, when I get going on that, that's when people are just widening their eyes because they realize just what happened to start a war that wiped out 270 million different Earths. And they're just <laughs> like, wait a minute, all this was because of them? And I go, yeah. Yeah, and they're and just they're all, mining. All, all because they were someone's science project. Yep. It's like, I mean, oh, it makes... no, we were made by the great key gag in the sky. <laughs> no, you were made because some Tremellorn got his lab grant money. What? <laughs> <laughs> it makes it makes me even more tragic. So, I mean, I I feel like I feel like yeah, they're they're kind of bastards, but at the same time, they're tragic. I mean, you know, I just you just feel like for the gen- for the general one, it's just kind of like, man, this sucks. You know, it's like Golem. He's tragic, right? Yeah. You don't want to be his friend, but he's tragic. <laughs> but he's if useful. He for Kigak, there wouldn't be any slard. True. That's true. Yes. true. Yes. yes. Without Kigak, to be none of us. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, there's the, Jay's the Jay's the um, the Kigak, and and John's our slarg. Yeah, doing that right now is kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me to do Bug from uh, Roach Motel. I can't do him right now. <laughs> yeah. That whole series was a good series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and the thing is, I love because we, we would sit down and look at the information and extrapolate everything from, about their culture. I mean, you know, especially with the Mexicans, they basically are fairly, in a way, they're close to us, closer to us in technology and in, in similar outlooks, but they're also. They're arachnids. They don't, you know, the dinner is, you know, stick your proboscis into the silk wrap thing and suck. That's 
dinner for them, you know, and and I can imagine having a Kegak on your team. Mm-hmm. Not Kegak, a Dmixie on your team and trying to you, know, you can you can hide it you can hide a Dmixie as a baby elephant. You can explain to to Zeal like he's a big monster lizard. You cannot explain the six foot tall centaur spider. Nope. <laughs> but you There's can call no but you can call his there. dinner juice boxes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, when you when, when you, you have to, you know, there are days when you have to worry about getting zucchinis from your friends. There's days when the the, the mixy living, not the mixy, the yeah, the mixy living on Alex Springs, leave you packages. And and we talked about how hard it would be to be an ambassador, you know, for the Demixie world, you know, yeah. like a human ambassador. Yeah, and of course they talk like this, <laughs> right? <laughs> not They're creepy wheezy. at all. Yeah. yeah. Here, have this. It's 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 good. It's no one you know. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bloating. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I, I'm last, um, and uh, and you know I don't know what I said uh, when we did it the last time, but you know after I, I, I reviewed the list before our, you know we we had this the, our, this episode, and I. And the more I thought about, it, the more I said, "Yeah, it's got to be the swimsuit episodes." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who haven't heard, it was it was the idea was is that you know gaming isn't always about going out there on the mission, you know, finding the monster, doing the you know doing the job. Okay, it's all it's it's about basically who you are and where you can let your hair down. And it was really all about characters being characters and developing themselves and expressing themselves in ways that they never would be able to any other time because of the requirements of the of the plot, the huge plot hammer that you know even when you try not to do it always ends up draw, you know suppressing conversations and 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 getting you know all the things that get in the way. It was a a, a palate cleanser. It was about what you know where are you going to go you know and and how are you going to deal with being you know on vacation as a fringe world explorer. Uh, and we dealt with the Demixie showing up on the beach. Yeah. How do you handle that? You know, and and all the other ones, and and uh, where do you put your weapons? <laughs> do you carry weapons? All that stuff. It was so fun to do, and I, you know, I, I really enjoyed that one episode, probably, you know, so so much because it was you guys. I, I really made you guys think outside the box with that topic. Yeah, and for those of you who are not familiar with the topic, it's a trope of most anime shows. Especially in the Moe shows, to have the swims the the, the beach episode. It is you know, it, it, neon 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 and evangelical had a beach episode. <laughs> every you know every long running anime you know has a has a beach episode sooner or later, and you know and and, and sometimes they were just there you know for the eye candy, but sometimes they actually did do something important. And that was what I was. We were that's what we were talking about. We we're saying is it just because it's a frivolous beach episode, a vacation episode, you know, doesn't mean 
then it can't be something that can really drive the characters and drive the plot eventually because of the the what we refer to as immersion play that came out of those frivolous situations where people got to be as real as possible with each other in their characters. Oh dear, so right, that sort of reminds me that we could we did mostly for Fringeworthy, didn't we? Well, we did say yeah, the Fringeworthy are going on vacation. Because I, I, I can imagine doing it, it'd be totally different, but doing it for your bureau team. I mean, you're, you've been on the road now for nine months, eight, you know, seven months, ten months. It's vacation time. You get you, you got two weeks off. Leave your weapons I in the RV. We did it for the bureau as well, being a bureau agent and taking a vacation. I thought we did that. Or was it, well... I mean, it does come like my second favorite one because it was the topic I came up with, which was Bureau 13 families. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the point was is that they had to break from their normal behaviors. They had to put those weapons away. They had to take off the body armor. They had to unhook from the uh, throat mics. <laughs> they, you know, they, they they had to actually sit down and have a conversation with somebody that wasn't like you know uh, somebody for them to manipulate somebody that they had to interrogate. They actually had to be real people for a short period of time, and for some players, that was a tremendous challenge. Yeah, and of course, if you're bureau agents, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, you, you know the GM's going to have a pixie show up or a gremlin or something show up, and then you have to deal with it with all your gear in parking lot in parking lot uh, in the in the Dumbo parking lot. <laughs> all right. Well, um, so what games are we currently running? Uh, since you know this is a podcast about gaming, and I've always said that you, you can't be a good game designer if you don't actually ever run your products. So, who's running a, uh, a campaign? Uh, what is it? And if people, any of our listeners, wanted to get in on it over Skype or some other means, how could they do it? Well, I'll I'll be first because I've actually got. It's sort of off and on. It's because that's the way we way the Sunday Scuppers work. But we have a Bureau Thirteen campaign going uh, game going on. It's off and on because it's that's you know like I said, we we bounce around different game systems. Um, but I ran them through uh, one of the published adventures that were that was out there, suitably modified and updated for the for the twentieth twenty first century, uh, which meant I had to do a lot of work. And of course, one of the characters is a ghost, which means I have to take I have to handle the ghost. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of doing the Barrington. I'm not going to say anything more than that, but I'm thinking of doing the Barrington for the next. And Bruce, you're familiar with the Barrington, aren't you? Yes, I'm very familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, that one's going to be interesting having a ghost character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so, and that's something that you're planning on running, like, soon, or do you have a, Do you actually have a, an ongoing campaign that you do re- uh, regularly? Not, no, no, I haven't, because I've just been... <sighs> Doing other things, so uh, yeah. But it, it's my Sunday Skypers is my is my uh, one game. Well, I actually do I do two other games, but they're run by other folks. So it's if you're talking games I'm running myself, uh, it's uh, the games you're running, not the ones you're playing. In. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, that's the one I run. Uh, it's been fun uh, dealing with. It. I think I've moved them all over to Fate Core. Yeah. It, do people actually have the ability to join in the the Sunday Skypers and play as players? Uh, unless you want to get up at, uh, at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Well, that's not really a limitation for some people. 
Yeah. Well, no, limitation for uh, for Wilhelm, who lives in Sweden. For him, it's nine o'clock in the eve. It's nine o'clock in the evening for him. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, seriously, is is that a possibility if somebody wanted to play in the Sunday Skypers? We 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 do have some guests, but they're usually only for special occasions and so forth. And um, yeah, and no, it's nothing we can do. But I've been seriously thinking about trying to run another game, running running my own games another time. So if I do decide to do it, I probably will announce it over in in the different in the different uh, forums uh, that I'm looking for players. And then when I do that, I'll let folks know it'll probably be Skype on Roll Twenty. So uh, we'll probably go that way. I, I might I might try to run some, run some scenarios I'm, I'm working on for uh, Savage Worlds. So it won't be long, but it, you know, little quickie short things. That, for instance, for uh, some of the sandboxes I'm putting together for that. So how about you, Peter? Uh, you know, I don't have time to run anything. I don't I don't run any games at all. But I do have a weekly group that I play in. So I do play. I do keep my fingers in the role-playing world, and you know we switch around from different systems. Um, I mean, if you don't mind, I'll, we're we're playing Ubiquity right now. We're playing the Hollow Earth campaign. Um, mm. But but I don't game master anything. I just just don't have time. I mean, I do stuff at cons. I run a lot of Savage Worlds at cons. It's one of the things that I, um, if I'm going to run a game at a, at a con, usually Savage Worlds, just because it's easy to run. I don't have to explain a lot. I can actually get players moving uh, instantly. So. Do you have that coming up soon? Well, uh, I have a con coming up in February of Total Con. Or not Total Con, sorry. Uh, yeah, Total Con coming up in February. Um, I plan on running one thing in Savage Worlds, but I may wind up running everything in the new Top Secret New World Order because uh, I'm I work with TSR, so I might be uh, running oh. that to promote that. Um, so, so there's that, and that's a good system. I, I that's fun. It's it's called uh, it's the Lucky Thirteen Engine. Uh, it's, it's pretty neat. Um, but I would not be against running some uh, Savage World stuff if it comes out and promoting it. You know, I mean, I do like the Savage Worlds and I do like Fringeworthy. As soon as that comes, that comes out, I would be uh, very happy to run games in that and promote all the TriTech goodness. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing stopping you running a Frenchworthy Frenchworthy Savage Worlds because the rules are the, the rules are mostly down. It's just the, the backgrounds that still need to be finished. Yeah, but see, if I'm going to run something at a con like that, I'd really rather run something that I can tell people, "Hey, go buy this. Here it is. Here's your here's the link." Understood. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yep. So, uh, Mel, are you going to be incorporating um, playtesting and such as part of your um, regime? Uh, there's a local group here, and they meet every two to six weeks. Okay. Yes. The answer is yes. Great. It's going to be on and off again because the, the group I meet with is, we're all grown-ups, and we can't do it that often. But um, Sally and I have also been um, going through some minor scenarios together but that's not really playing so uh, so what game is it that you said that you uh, run every two to six weeks i mean that you play in oh uh, we've been doing fringe worthy okay cool how about you and, and sally are you are you part of that or do you have something else that you do i i've, I've been playing with the same gaming group for uh since well, certain members of them, at least, since 1984. Uh, 
and we've gone through all kinds of games. But right now, the GM is running Fringeworthy. Uh, I ran Bureau 13, but living in California with all my players in Ohio made it a little more complicated than we wanted to handle for a while. We're still sorting out ways for me to do that, to get back into playing as, as running the game. But right now I'm playing uh, two times a month for Bureau thir- uh, for Fringeworthy. Cool. Okay. That sort of reminds me, because I do run uh, Bureau 13 games and in, in, in different cons here in the Puget Sound. So, uh, And I'm actually running a Bureau 13 game for Athercon. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's still seats available. You know. That's an online convention. Okay. Yeah. I run... I run Weird Zone usually at cons. I, mm-hmm. It's just really easy to sort it out, get people into it. Do you? Do you? Uh, here's the question, Sally. Do you actually? Do you come with a, a pre-made uh, zero plot? Yes. And let them. Okay, because that's what I do. I, I I go in Google Maps. I find a spot, work out the size. They take a screenshot, crop it, and then that's it. That's a zero plot, and wherever is there, that's what you got to work with. The last one I ran was Kennywood. I took a big chunk out of Kennywood. Kennywood in Pittsburgh? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. I took a chunk out of Ballard. Uh, Kenny, for our, for our listeners, Kennywood is a is a, an amusement park, it, like you know, um, uh, Six Flags or uh, uh, King's Dominion or other types. Yeah, of- but it's more of a family park. It's not it's not so built up like Six Flags because Six yeah. Flags is very commercial. Kennywood is more still family oriented. Yeah. Oh yeah. When when the Silly Skeppers put together, we we were trying to find a, a zero plot for them. He suggested they're all in Alaska. And they said, we're all a Quonset hunt on airfields. So I went up there and started looking at airfields. And there, in Nome, Alaska, was a Quonset hunt on an airfield. Yoink. Zip. There we go. There is, that's, where you, that's where you're at. That's, all you have is two Quonset huts, half a building, three airplanes that don't fly, and then your airplane that does fly. And that's it. <laughs> and whatever you have in your refrigerator in your, in your break room. <laughs> Oh, and watching the toilets empty out because they, because of course they they are now bottomless. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Trav. All righty. I run and get ready for this. Four separate campaigns. Thursdays and Saturdays are each one, and then the alternating Friday and Sunday. So I'm gaming every weekend. Thursdays, it is fringe-worthy, but it is in the very same cyberpunk superhero setting based on the comic book, The Travelers, from which I get the name Trav from. So there's a lot of genetically-based superheroes, psionic, um, tech-based, some superpowers, no magic, and this is all based on the comic setting I made back in 91. Oh, man. I tried to get it out for the 92 Motor City Comic Con and it fell through. And after about a, until about a month ago, I finally said, you know what? I want to run this. And it's infringe-worthy. The fringe paths will come later. Fridays, I'm running. It would basically be a Bureau 13 Brass and Steam campaign. I started it at the tail end of Black Powder. Josie plays the Bureau's first witch, Samantha Poole. My other gamer, Tommy, plays the Bureau's first alchemist, Jonas Mitchell, and they are in Bureau 13 Black Powder. 
Saturdays, it was actually Palladium Stats. I converted. All, all my stuff is Pathfinder D20. Saturday, it was Palladium. I converted them all to D20. They're now in the second world. So that means it's another fringe-worthy game. The Sunday game is another collaboration between me and my co-hostess, Perky Goth. We did the Maze World campaign. It's now, and this is her baby, Doctor Who in World of Darkness. So we have somebody with a TARDIS, and then we've got Dampiers and werewolves. And they're all bound, and it's like, oh, an uh, interstellar war between the mind players and the Neogi, and we're in the middle of it, and just, it's it's a sandbox extraordinaire. So yeah, I'm running four different campaigns. All the sessions are bi-weekly. And I usually need Josie's help with taking notes in order to run because I'm like, oh crap, what did we do two weeks ago? And Josie, we were here. Okay. So yeah, it's, all of them are linked, either Bureau 13 or Fringeworthy, and just, as I said, I've got all the Portals books uh, printed out in the big blue binder, so that's how I keep track what's on what earth. You know what? That just gave me an idea for another future show. Hmm. Fringeworthy. And the doctor. Mm-hmm. If I do not let Colleen, Rosie's mother, got funny in on that, she will kill me. For being no, the queen of she'll she'll do more than that. She'll she'll stick a weeping angel up where the sun don't shine and let it have its yeah, way with you. No, I, I <laughs> on that one. Oh yeah, expect got funny to be on that episode, John Bruce. Just oh yeah, yeah. Or more. Yeah, and then you, you have yep. to then ask, you, ask yourself, which of the 14 doctors are we going to be visiting? Yeah. <laughs> so is that all of them? Yeah, I run those four games, yeah. Four separate campaigns. Yeah, I run two campaigns. Um, I run a Bureau 13 every Tuesday night uh, from 7.30 to um, 11 uh, at, a, at a local game store. Uh, but we do accept Skype players. And uh, the other, and I run Fridgeworthy every other Sunday from 1.30 to six at again another local gaming store. But and 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 again, we would accept Skype players if, if people were interested. So uh, and this has been going on for quite some time now. Um, I've been on and off. I've been running Fringeworthy for you know ever since there's been Fringeworthy. <laughs> I want to thank everybody who is listening to us right now who's been part of this celebration and has been, especially if you've been with us forever, if you haven't been, well, we're, we're planning on re-releasing the uh, earlier episodes, uh, starting at number one and bringing those out again so that uh, if for some reason it is dropped off of your podcatcher uh, and you don't want to go to our website, we'll deliver that TriTac goodness once again as if it was 2009. Yeah, back into your uh, into your mailbox, uh, your uh, uh, your your in your your podcatcher and such. So thank you everyone for everything that you've done, um, and all the people that have supported TriTech over the years and promoted these products that we love so much. And we want you, you know, assuming you should probably all know this by now, but if you don't, please join us on the various Facebook forums. Uh, that we have, TriTac uh, 
uh, fans of the TriTech podcast. Uh, there's a, a page for TriTech games. Uh, Bureau 13 ages everywhere. And uh, is it fans of Fringeworthy? Fringeworthy RPG fans. Fringeworthy RPG fans. So that's the Facebook ones. And John, what's your uh, what? What are the Google groups called? Oh, just the one. It's the TriTech Games the Google Google Community. A Google Plus, Google Plus community. Yeah, anyway. Google Plus community. And Mel, uh, what's available over at TriTech Games itself? TriTechGames.com. So you don't have the uh, separate TriTechGamers.com? Uh, TriTech Gamers uh, will also uh, go to the same main page. And then on the main page, uh, you, you click on social media and forums. Uh, we simplified it because people were having trouble finding their way around. Ah. So there's lots. And, of course, you can always leave a comment on our uh, podcast uh, site. If you really want to warm the cockles of our heart and, and give us a big thank you, then go to uh, iTunes and give us a you know, five-star review. Or how many stars you think you, we should have. But we'd really like you to give us a five-star review. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hey, let, let's put it this way. If, if you can't find it in your heart to do four or five, you could just not leave one. That would be good. That's fine. That's what they're already doing, Peter. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. Off the die, man. I'm just All saying. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, we, we love you anyways, and we're, and we're glad that you have been listening and, uh, and, and enjoying what we've been doing for all these years now. So... I just want to, uh, so for all of us here, we just want to say thank you, and we hope that you will enjoy TriTag Games and uh, all the different offerings that come from them in all the different forms for many, many, many years to come, and possibly even your children will. So we'll have more for you next week, but until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.